Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, Genesis. Good morning, Genesis. Uh, Today's reading is from 1 Corinthians 9. 1623. Uh, perhaps for you nerds out there, there is one of the longest sentences in the Bible. So we'll see how I, I do with that sentence this morning. Here we go. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about, for I'm under compulsion. For woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For I do, if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a commission nonetheless. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free from all people, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may gain more. To the Jews, I became as a Jew, so that I might gain Jews. To those who are under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being under the law myself, so that I might gain those who are under the law to those who are without the law. I became as one without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might gain those who are without the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might gain the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, Genesis. Well, um, who is happy that we're actually don't we don't have to get out in this 17 minus degree weather to have church? I am sure I thought this morning of all the child care workers that help us and they get there early. And I was like, I am so glad we don't have church in a building this morning, but we get to actually be, still be together. So this is a first for me. I get to. Um, preach from my bedroom. If you would have told me a year ago I was going to do this, I would have thought you were crazy, but here we are. So I'm um, excited to dive in a little bit uh, about Paul, a bit more about Paul. I'm going to continue on from last week a little bit. Uh, Steve had such a great sermon, and if you didn't get a chance to hear it, 
I would encourage you because it has so much relevance, I think, to what it means for us to be in um, just with differences. So Paul was a letter writer, a prolific letter writer. And Rick, you're right. It was a mouthful. But I recently um, had an experience where I was cleaning out my attic, as most of us are during COVID. And I found a stack, I mean, probably almost 90 letters from 40 years ago that were written to me. And um, it taught me some stuff as I sat and I read those. Um, I, I went through them all, read them all. But the thing that was interesting is I realized that they were inviting me to return and remember a very significant time in my life. Um, and they were kind of cryptic because they gave me this person writing to me was responding to things I had written to them, but I didn't have my letters. I only had the letters that had been written to me. And the other thing, I, at first I was kind of like, I, I was like, dang, I was so young. I was so stupid. I mean, I can't believe that these are the things that were so, so important. And then in that same time, what I did is I found myself offering kindness to myself and going, oh, this is a piece of who you are. Oh, this is a piece of how you've become and how you've gotten to where you're at. So when we take this look at these letters of Paul, I think there's some things that we need to recognize. Paul was writing letters. He was writing letters. He was responding to things that people had written to him. And oftentimes we want to take Paul's letters as a separate entity. And I think they're actually connected to something else. It was a conversation. It wasn't just a dial, um, a direct, um, where he's just trying to preach to people. That's not what he's trying to do. He's actually answering a letter. So who is Paul? Paul is um, was Saul. I mean, he has the name of Saul and Paul. It's used all throughout. He was a scholar. He was somebody who was a missionary, is what we call a church planter. He was a prolific writer. And Steve, I believe too, he needed an editor. He need, he did. He needed a better editor. Um, but what we know about this season is it was a very disruptive time of life for the church, for the believers, because suddenly the disruptions were coming, not just in um, the churches. It was like religion was disrupted. Culture was disrupted. Their social standing was disrupted. Everything was in a place of like an upheaval. And so like last week when we were talking about that, like, do we eat this food? Do we not eat this food? Do Wait, it's been offered here. So can we actually, do we have permission to? Because we want to do it right. And I think that whole element of we want to do it right is a really deep thread that runs through a lot of things for all of us. But they were so focused, they were becoming so focused on how to do it that they were forgetting to just be in the process with one another. So one of the, one of the terms that we talked about last week was this freedom in Christ. And I've, and like everybody else, I've always thought, oh, that's my freedom in Christ. And what we talked about was, which I think was very profound, is about instead of it being about what, what we can do, it's about, wait, because I have freedom in Christ, I can offer that to somebody else. So I will give freedom of Christ to somebody else where they're at and as they are right now. So when differences become our identity, we become dividers and we become protectors and we become defensive. But when differences are allowed to like show up, it kind of means that we become people who hold expanse 
not necessarily definition, but expanse, which requires curiosity. So carrying this freedom of Christ forward into the text that we have today, um, in verse 16 through 18, Paul seems to me in the text just a little bit frustrated. I, I don't, did anybody else get that? Did you feel like he was a little frustrated? I mean, he's saying, I, I, I'm, I will go for the person who is a Jew, even if I'm not a Jew. I mean, he just was, he's like rhetoric, sounds a little bit rhetoric to me, but I think he's responding to the questions that were actually put to him in the letter that came to him. So I think he's responding out of that. Um, and so if I preach the gospel, he says, you know, basically I have nothing to boast of because I can't keep this silent. It's like pouring out of me. And he says, even if I do it against my will in order to gain something, it's like, then I have a stewardship issue. So evidently somebody asked him, why in the world are you preaching this gospel? Um, I love, Jenny just said, when, when our differences become our identity, we become dividers and defenders. Oh, you're just repeating that. I'm sorry. I have to get used to this chat thing going here too. So sorry, guys. Um, but I, but he's, I think somebody had really asked him, why are you, why are you preaching this? Why are you preaching this way? And he asked the question, he goes, he's really saying like, what is my reward? Um, and remember, we're having a one-sided conversation here. And so he answers his own question and he says, here's how and why I'm doing this because I know I have power. I know I can use that power to get things done, but I want to offer the gospel without charge so as to make it full use of my right to the gospel. Now, what's interesting is that line right to the gospel in the King James Virgin, Version, it says that I abuse not my power. And in the NLT, it says that I never demand my rights. So abuse, demand, full use of my rights. I think we've all had experiences where the gospel has been used in abusive ways. So. My question, my first all play question, and all plays are where we all get to participate, so use the chat here and I'll do my best to read through them all. Um, what does abuse, demand, or right of power feel like? And you can use the chat right there to respond. What does abuse or demand or right of power feel like in relation to the gospel <laughs> nate says familiar it feels angry cassandra says ooh peyton diminishing mm -hmm. minimizing of me unjust maddie thank you wrong and oppressive holly threatening Invasive, disrespectful, suffocating, shaming. Yeah, all of that. It feels all of that, unseen, unneeded. You're right, it does feel that. Well, it misses the whole point. Nate, you're right, yeah, it misses the whole point. It's interesting, the word which, you know, I, I kind of like looking up the Greek words. This word for abuse is kataphramite. And I know Dan, I, Dan Cook, I realize I'm butchering that, okay? But that's, that's the best I can come up with. Um, but what it actually means, it's actually two words. And kata means alone and apart from. 
and framite means to take for one's own use. So when Paul is responding to this letter written to these people who are apparently divided about literally sharing the table together and eating food, Steve, I do think it's about food in some ways because I think it's always about the table. So anyway, but they're, but they're divided. They're divided about this whole issue of sharing food and eating together. I wonder if Paul is remembering back and he's speaking from his own experience. He once used his power in a way that he believed, he really truly believed was for the good of all. And he used his power to kill those who opposed him and opposed the religion that he had embraced until he met, he was met with a type of power that held, that held both curiosity and kindness. And in that encounter in Acts where he's on the road to Damascus and he gets blinded, um, the question that rose up, and I just love this, Saul gets disrupted with a curious question. Saul, Saul, why, why do you persecute me? So my question, is it possible that curiosity is the key that can lead to conversations versus debates? And if so, and this is an all play, what will these types of conversations feel like? Or what have these types of conversations felt like? We can use the chat here. And it's crickets. But that's okay. I maybe that maybe it'd be crickets. That's okay. Here's one. I was on Facebook this week. Oh, somebody is vulnerable. They feel vulnerable. Oh, now I gotta get my glasses. Able to see and be seen. Curiosity is personal. I'll repeat the question again. Okay, what will these types of conversations feel like? These conversations where there's curiosity. Because what I'm asking is, can that be conversational? Curiosity creates conversation versus a debate. Jessica, the question in those types of conversations, do both people need to be mutually curious? You know what? I think that's powerful. I wonder sometimes, and I was recently in a conversation with someone where um, I was the curious one and they were not curious. And what I found is the more I ask questions, um, the more curious we both became. So I think that's a great question. Um, I don't know that it always happens that way, but I was with somebody that loved me and I loved them. And so it was a pretty safe environment, I wanna say, but it was a very heated topic. So um, it was actually with my mom. So anyway, but it was a very heated topic. And what was so beautiful is our curiosity grew. And I wanna say my mom's 88. And there's a lot she knows, but the reality is there those moments when she becomes even more curious, create more curiosity in me about her story of how she's held her faith as long as she's held her faith. Um, Mary Martin says, if I wonder if curiosity can break down walls of defensiveness that we're sometimes not, we're not even aware of. Um, Rick, my battery is running low and I don't know what to do on your computer. Oh, wait, it came unplugged. That's why. Ah, sorry. Sorry about that, guys. 
technical difficulties. Okay. Um, oh, that was Steve. Okay. So um, thank you, Rick. Um, okay. So anyway, so part of this about curiosity, one of the things that I think is really important, I got it fixed. Thanks. Uh -huh, yeah. Um, my, which leads me to my second point. The, well, the, my first, the end of my first point is really about curiosity being the, the um, catalyst that helps us enter in to even what we understand and what we're trying to, why we become defensive. So um, Sarah says, when people are curious, sometimes they speculate or draw conclusions. They need to listen with an open mind and get the other's perspective during conversation. Absolutely, 100%, Sarah, I think that's so true. Because there are different perspectives, because we've all had different, different um, experiences in life. Which um, Paul then goes on, which I think is so interesting. And he, that's what, this is when he says, you know, um, Paul goes to say that the Jews, to the Jews, he becomes a Jew. To those under the law, he'll be under the law, even though he isn't under the law. And to those without the law, he'll be without the law, even though he, he himself is under the law. To the weak, I will be weak. And to Enneagram nines or Enneagram geeks, I want to say this is a perfect nine moment. Um, for all the nines out there, absolutely love that. Um, the beauty is nines have the capacity to hold so many different points of view. And, and they're, that's why I think that's why they're called peacemakers because they can hold this view and they can see the importance of that one. They can see the importance of that. What they wrestle with is like, where do I stand? What do I believe? If I hold all this, does that mean I have to, what, what do I actually believe? So I just did in that moment, I think it's something that is so relevant to peacemaking is being able to hold the different views. Cassandra says, being curious towards someone else helps me to be curious with myself. Amen, amen. And yes, yay nines. I'm not a nine, but I can yay them. Okay, um, so Paul co Paul comes back in, in, I think, a really healthy nine moment, I wanna say. He says, I am choosing to be like a Jew. Um, news alert here, um, he was a Jew. So that was, Okay, so you're choosing to be a Jew. Actually, he is a Jew. I am choosing to be under the law. I am choosing to not be under the law. I am choosing to be, to be weak in order that I may become a fellow partaker of the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't used that language, fellow partaker, but I wonder what does fellow partaker actually mean? So, in all play, like what does a fellow partaker actually mean to you? Do, 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 do. What would being a fellow partaker? Let's make it easy. I mean, in the sense of if you're in a relationship, are there fellow partakers? Oh, Cassandra, we're joining the same thing together. Yep, joining the same thing together. Um, that's very true. If you're in a relationship, you can see that we're joint. We're choosing to join in this relationship together. Steve says, seems like it takes the power out of it. Everyone is on the same level. Yeah. Oh, we need, we need, we both have needs. Yes. Get Jim says getting dirty under your fingernails together. Yes. Co-participant, same benefits. Whoa, whoa, this is going fast. Sharing a meal. Yes. Sharing a meal. Um, Collaborator, we're all drinking the same drink, eating the same food, an equalizer for sure. We're doing it with, 
Yeah, that's that's what co-participator is. Have we heard this language anyplace else before, do you think? Have we heard this any language anyplace else? The table. Yes. What do we say at the table? Co-participator with God, co-creator with God. There's so many places we've heard this before. So um Yes, I'm just so excited. Yes, that so fellow partaker, not that it's probably going to jump back into our language and become a regular part of our language, but I all week long I've been holding this word fellow partaker and I've noticed the places and the conversations I've been been in where I get more excited and I want to say what I have to say and I go, "Wait, to be a fellow partaker, can I hold some of that for the conversation so I can be present?" Um, there's been there have been moments when I was in a, a little bit of a heated meeting early on this week and I found myself just all my defenses going up and I was like, okay, what do I need to say so that I can protect? And I was like, wait, what am I trying to protect? And at the core, what I knew I was longing for, I was like, wait, do I belong? Will my voice, will my voice be a part of this conversation? And once I pulled back and got curious, it was like, oh, I can be a fellow partaker in this conversation. I don't have to guide it. And it was it was kind of freeing. So this uh, yesterday I was dropping off some stuff at a friend's house and I was kind of sharing a little bit about the fact of what I was preaching on. And um, she gave me a resource that I started looking at kind of turned a little bit how I was going to close. But it, it made it gave me so much hope for what's out there in the world. Um, Peyton says, I feel like to partake also means to let go of control. Yes. Yes, because why? Because here's my question back is, why do we feel like we have to have control? I want to say, for me, it's fear. Like, oh, what if this thing gets out of control? We want to avoid pain. Yes, we want to avoid pain because who signs up for pain? But pain is a part of life, right? I, I don't know anybody who has life that doesn't have some pain. Um, maybe we're afraid someone will take our part away. Yes. Also leaving room for, um, oh, if I have control, I can feel like I'm right. Yes, that's very true. And also leaving room for receiving there. Oh, you know what you guys, I think that is so powerful. Um, because if we leave room for receiving, what does that actually mean? We've had to make space for something new. And it also identifies that we're not, we aren't the end all, we have it all. And I think a lot of times that's how we think of Paul, is he's, he had it all together. Paul wanted to be a fellow partaker. He was learning, he was growing. There was this element for him. He was taking everything he'd experienced before and he's bringing all that wisdom and it's flowing into who he is now. And I think there was repentance, there was, um, there was angst, I think there was fear. But there was also this, there were these things he, as he began receiving, things started growing. And I just think that's so exciting. So anyway, I'm going to get back to some, there's some, um, science says that human beings, as human beings, we have basic needs, secure attachment, nurturance, respect, responsiveness, and empathy. And I'm going to say those one more time. So it's huge, just basic human needs. That's what, so all of us that we can see everybody here, we all have the same human needs. 
secure attachment, nurturance, respect, responsiveness, and empathy. When these needs are met, we can be freed up from having to be preoccupied with needing these things from other people. And honestly, we can open up to helping others. But if these needs are not met, they will continue to reverberate in our hearts, in our mind, in our ears, with the result that we become deaf to other people's cries of distress. So here's a quote, and it's by Alfie Cohn. Cohn, Cohn she writes Unconditional Parenting. And I'll post this on, I don't know how to do this, but I'll put it on my Facebook. How about that? In Genesis, I'll put this quote, because I just think this quote is beautiful. Children who know they're loved feel safer and less defensive. Therefore, they tend to be bolder about reaching out to others, including people who are different from themselves. And they are more responsive to others. I think one of the things in, if we can help meet the needs, we can offer others that freedom, opening up space for them. Amen. Absolutely. We cannot offer something we have not first experienced. It's not ours. But what we have experienced, we can offer to others. And Paul's experience of excluding people with different views that he had and therefore keeping them from his own table and persecuting Christians was, I believe, more about him being, let's go back to that word, abuse and demand. The reality is, is it was about Paul being alone and apart and working for his own belief. Yet when he allowed differences and when he made space for people, he grew in knowing he was loved by God so that he could then extend that love to all. And that's why to a Jew, I'll be a Jew. Oh, to the uh, those under the law, I'll be under the law. If that, if that will, it went, yeah, if we can talk there, I'll be under the law. Oh, um, to not be under the law. Yeah, I can do that. Oh, I can be weak. Yeah, I'll do that. But it was from a place, it wasn't about trying to service his loan, alone, expectation of working on his own belief. So how do you determine who gets to sit at your table? I think a lot of it is determined by um, who are we attached to? Basic human need. To whom are we attached? Who do we, whose words do we let nurture us? Um, who do we respect and allow that voice into our life? Um, and who do we experience empathy from? Nathan's asking, the, uh, Nate Banker's asking the question, who is safe? Nate, I think that's such a great question. And I think it's something we have to continue to determine. And unfortunately, it's those places where we get hurt oftentimes, I think that help us to determine who is safe. So I'm going to go back to that pain thing is we can't avoid pain. And here's the thing I want to say is even in the church, even in religion, not everyone is safe. 
when we are hurt, we demand and abuse power. Absolutely, Cassandra, that's so true. We do. And I want to say the reverse of that, when we are loved, when we are shown empathy, when we are shown responsiveness, it heals something in us and we can then offer it to others as something we own and experience. So who, yes, Cassandra, you are on fire this morning, girl. Let's, let's do a little, let's do a little Cassandra dance, everybody. Let's do a little Cassandra dance. <laughs> Um, so who gets to, your, uh, to sit at your table is determined by who or what you're most attached to. Am I most attached to my ideal? Um, oh, <laughs> who's Sally, Jesse, Raphael? I have no idea who that is, but maybe I need to look them up. Thank you. Yeah, I went to the eye doctor this week, and guess what? These are going to be a permanent part of my preaching from now on. <clears throat> yep. Um, anyway, so who gets to sit at our table is really determined by who or what we are most attached to. And Genesis, may we extend um, curiosity with compassion to one another for ourselves and for others. And may we run out of table extensions. Literally run out of table. I'll, I'll extend my table as wide as it goes. And may we, if we have to sit on the floor, who knows, or we squeeze tight on benches. May our tables be a place where we share the food of abundance of being able to hold differences. And I know it's COVID right now, and I know we can't do this literally. But I think as we practice it in our minds and as we practice it in our day-to-day, -day, in the moments that we have, what happens is when COVID breaks free, when we all break free of COVID, I honestly, I hope our tables abound with good food, good drink, good conversation, and good conflict of holding the tension with one another. So Paul's letters to us, I want you to remember they came at a time in his life, but there was a dialogue going on. So anytime we read the letters, my hope is we can read them with curiosity of what was on the other side. Okay, Will says, as I'm listening to this and asking myself, who nurtures me, who shows me empathy, etc., I'm struck by how, for so many of us, the constraints of COVID have caused our circles of nurturing to shrink, which is hard and sad. I myself need a greater pouring into from God to sit in the divine's deep wells of love so that I can extend my nurturing further in creative ways. Amen, Will. Amen. Our need for one another has not gone down because we're separated. Our need for one another has gone up. So when you're wearing your mask this week and you only get to see this much of each of someone, look deep into their eyes. 
look deep into their eyes and know there is a story behind every mask. There is a story longing to be held in sacredness and in love and in expansive ways to be with one another. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If If you find find yourself nearby nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you have have any any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.